I'd invite you to turn with me in your copies of God's Word to the book of Revelation. Revelation chapter 8, that's all the way on the right side of the book. Revelation chapter 8, specifically verses 1 through 5. Revelation 8, verses 1 to 5. And you can see, again, we're not starting in Revelation 1, 1. We're in the middle of the book and in the middle of the action. Uh, It might be uh, helpful, again, to remind ourselves of some of the the context. Uh, Remember that God gave this revelation to John, the Apostle John, while he was in exile on the island of Patmos. And it was given in part uh, to encourage and exhort the churches in Asia Minor. Maybe you'll be familiar with those letters to the seven churches which we find in the opening chapters. In chapter 4 and 5, uh, John is given this really uh, glorious vision of Christ in heaven. We, we see Christ, uh, the Lamb, standing as though he'd been slain, uh, revealing his sovereignty over the course of history as, he, as he's the one who's worthy to loose the seven seals. In chapter 6, we we see the first four seals, uh, the the so-called four horsemen of the apocalypse. In the fifth seal, it's a moving scene. We we see the the souls of martyrs under the altar crying out for justice. And in the sixth seal, we see God begin to judge the world. In chapter 7, there's sort of this interlude where where we see a a vision of the church triumphant, those who have been sealed by God uh, singing his praises. And that brings us to our text in Revelation chapter 8. Revelation 8, verses 1 to 5. This is God's word. It says, When the Lamb opened the seventh seal, there was silence in heaven for about half an hour. Then I saw the seven angels who stand before God, and seven trumpets were given to them. And another angel came and stood at the altar with the golden censer, And he was given much incense to offer with the prayers of all the saints on the golden altar before the throne. And the smoke of the incense with the prayers of the saints rose before God from the hand of the angel. Then the angel took the censer and filled it with fire from the altar and threw it on the earth. And there were peals of thunder, rumbling, flashes of lightning, and an earthquake. Amen. Let's pray and ask God's help as we consider his word again this evening. Our Heavenly Father, we praise you that you have given us your word and that it contains in it uh, everything that that pertains to to life and godliness. And we ask now this evening that you would help us to see uh, wonderful things in your word. Let the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be pleasing in your sight. For we ask it in Christ's name. Amen. Well, I'm sure that for each of us, as we live our lives in this physical world full of, of physical pains and anxieties and stressors and sorrows, uh, that we've all fallen prey to, to the temptation of what we might call uh, spiritual forgetfulness. Uh, maybe you're familiar with Bunyan's Pilgrim's Progress, and there's a, 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 a powerful scene in part two where there's the muckraker. Above him is a crown of glory. Uh, but he's working and uh, concerned with the things of this earth, the muck, 
below him and you can't look up and see spiritual realities. Or, or maybe you remember the account of, of Elisha's servant. In 2 Kings chapter 6, uh, the servant wakes up one day and he, he finds that they have been surrounded by a Syrian army. And he lamented. He said to Elisha, Alas, my master, what shall we do? You remember what Elisha did? He, he comforted him with those gospel-rich words, Do not be afraid. Those who are with us are more than those who are with them. And then he prayed. He said, O oh Lord God, open his eyes so that he may see. And then Elisha's servant was privileged to see that that between them and the armies of the Assyrians were, were a legion of heavenly angels to protect them. We need, don't we, those reminders of, of heavenly and spiritual realities and reminders of the heavenly help that God has given us. And, and it is in response to our propensity to lose sight of those spiritual realities that God has given us the book of Revelation. It serves as, as a heavenly perspective on the struggles of the church on earth, uh, especially the struggles of the persecuted church on earth. And, and specifically in response to, to our uh, inclination or propensity to, to lose sight of the invisible and heavenly realities of prayer, uh, God has given us this little passage which reveals to us the awesome reception that our prayers receive in heaven. And so, friends, the, the call of our passage this evening is simple. Fill heaven with your prayers. Fill heaven with your prayers. And we'll examine this passage and this calling by considering uh, three encouragements for you in your prayers. Three encouragements for you in your prayers. First, fill heaven with your prayers because they are heard by God. Second, fill heaven with your prayers because they are precious to God. And finally, fill heaven with your prayers, because they will be answered by God. <clears throat> First, look with me again at verse 1 and see that, that you must fill heaven with your prayers, because they are heard by God. We read in verse 1, When the Lamb opened the seventh seal, there was silence in heaven for about half an hour. And first, under this encouragement, we see a surprising silence, a surprising silence. Verse 1 introduces the content of the seventh seal that, that Jesus Christ, the Lamb of God, is, un, uh, is undoing, and it's silence. And this is quite unexpected. Uh, I know we haven't been in Revelation together, but so far, in the book of Revelation, heaven has been anything but silent. In chapter 4, verse 1, John's vision of heaven, it, it opens with a voice like a trumpet. There were creatures who never ceased to cry out day and night, holy, holy, holy. We've heard the victory songs of the church triumphant, praising the worthiness of the Lamb. It says in Revelation 4.10 that the 24 elders cast their crowns before the throne, saying, worthy are you, our Lord and our God, to receive glory and honor and power. There's there's the crash of the crowns and the sound of the praise. There's the voice of the martyrs under the altar calling out for justice. Revelation 6.10, it says, And they cried out with a loud voice. They cried out with a loud voice, O sovereign Lord, holy and true, how long before you will judge and avenge our blood? Chapter 7, 
ended with this cacophony of praise from a numberless multitude, Revelation 7.10, and they cried out with a loud voice, salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. Heaven is active. Heaven is noisy. And then there's silence. What does this mean? Well, I submit to you that, that part of the reason that there is silence in heaven is so that God can listen to the prayers on earth. Silence in heaven so that God can listen to prayers on earth. Consider Psalm 65.1, which we'll sing together in a little while. It says, praise waits for you in silence, O God, in Zion. Uh, we heard the praise in chapter 7. Uh, we hear the silence in 8 verse 1. And how does David continue the thought, Psalm 65.2? Praise waits for you, O God, in silence. Praise waits for you in silence, O God, in Zion. O you who hear our prayers. Praise in silence and a God who hears your prayers. This silence, it's, it's a picture of intense focus. Heaven is focused on the Lamb, and the Lamb is focused on the prayers of his people. Silence in heaven so that God can listen to prayers on earth. Of course, this is a, a illustrative language. God is not like a, a flustered driver in a new city who, who turns down the radio and tells everybody to be quiet so that he can focus on the directions. But, but it is, I think, a, a picture for us that, that God is intent on listening to your prayers. He will suffer no distractions or intrusions, but he gives your prayers his undivided attention. He gives his undivided attention to the prayers that rise up before him. It's a surprising silence. And second, under this, encourage, uh, this encouragement, we have an encouraging illustration. And you can be confident that God hears your prayers because of how they're pictured. We read in verse 3 that another angel came uh, and was given, and he was given much incense to offer with the prayers of all the saints. Verse 4, and the smoke of the incense with the prayers of the saints rose before God from the hand of the angels. Your prayers are pictured as being incense. This connection of our prayers with incense isn't new. That's why we sang from Psalm 141, verse 2. It says, let my prayer be set before you as incense. Or in Revelation 5, verse 8, the four living creatures are holding golden bowls, which John tells us are full of incense, which are the prayers of the saints. And Christian friends, this is meant as an encouraging illustration. Think for a moment about the power of a strong aroma. Uh, imagine a bustling kitchen on Thanksgiving mornings. There are turkeys and they've been stuffed with celery and carrots and garlic and onions and they've been rubbed with butter and herbs. And there are pies cooling and the smell, it fills your nostrils. In the Sturm and in the Spear households, Elsa and I are in charge of the stuffing. And I love the finished product. I love to enjoy it. But I love the process of making it as well. Because our, our stuffing, it uses more fresh herbs than we'd normally use in like a three or four month time period. There's parsley and sage and rosemary and thyme in abundant quantities. And if you walk into our kitchen on Thanksgiving morning, 
you can't escape the smell. Uh, you could be blindfolded and you would know exactly what was going on. It, it fills your nostrils and it arrests all of your senses. And friends, in a similar way, our passage is offering you encouragement that God hears your prayers. They are inescapable to him. They are filling his sanctuary, filling his nostrils. He, he smells them. He, he sees their smoke. He hears the petitions. Brothers and sisters, God hears your prayers. But we might then wonder, well, well, whose prayers does God hear? We can certainly doubtingly think to ourselves, he doesn't hear my prayers. Surely not my prayers. Mine are too feeble, or I'm too sinful, or I have too many doubts, or I haven't done enough for God to really accept my prayers. Uh, whose prayers, we can wonder, are, are filling the golden censer and filling the golden bowls that we see in Revelation? Are, are they only the prayers of the great and famous Christians, uh, the capital S saints, so-called? Or are they only the prayers of the martyrs under the altar, only the prayers of those people who have, who have suffered much for Jesus Christ? Now look with me at verse 3. It says, And he was given much incense that he should offer it with the prayers of all the saints. All the saints, brothers and sisters, your prayers and my prayers are in God's sanctuary now. He hears them all. And isn't this an encouragement? We can often lose confidence in our prayers' acceptance with God. Our, our senses can tell us that our prayers haven't made it outside of our head, much less past the roof into God's throne in heaven. Or we may have had to await, we may have to, to wait long for an answer to prayer. Uh, we may find the heavens above us as brass and wonder if God has heard our prayers. But brothers and sisters, here they are. Here they are. They're in the censer and in the altar and rising up before the Lamb. The altar of heaven is filled with prayers that God has heard. It may be filled with prayers offered by unimpressive Christians in unimpressive locations, but nevertheless heard by God. Uh, you think of prayers offered in a midweek Zoom meeting or prayers offered by discouraged Christians whose, whose prayers contain more sighs and groans uh, than, than phrases and words. And I'm sure that some of you are painfully familiar with those prayers, but they're heard by God. Heaven is filled with prayers of boys and girls, even ones mimicking mom and dad in family worship. You know those prayers that I'm talking about, lacking in, in eloquence or rhetorical flourishes, but overflowing with a childlike faith. Dear Jesus, please let Grandma become a Christian. Dear Jesus, please protect the people in Ukraine. Dear Jesus, please give Daddy a new job. Boys and girls, you know that God hears your prayers. You don't have to be a grown-up. You don't have to be an adult for God to hear your prayers. He loves to hear the prayers of His children, and your parents' prayers and yours as well. God has ordained both praise and prayers to come to Him from the lips of little ones. Brothers and sisters, God hears all the prayers of all the saints, and so fill heaven with your prayers, because they are heard by God. As we continue on in the text, we have still another encouragement 
Notice, secondly, that you must fill heaven with your prayers because they are precious to God. Fill heaven with your prayers because they are precious to God. We saw under our first heading that that God hears your prayers because of the, the potency of the incense that fills his sanctuary and it fills his nostrils. But we can also learn from that same illustration of incense that your prayers are precious to God. Your prayers are precious to God. We can read about this tabernacle incense in Exodus chapter 30, verse 34 and following. It says there, And the Lord said to Moses, Take sweet spices, Saxa and Annika and Galbanum, sweet spices with pure frankincense, and make an incense blended as by the perfumer, seasoned with salt, pure and holy. One commentator called these rich and rare spices. These were extravagant luxuries. And we can see partly from this the value of the one to whom the incense is offered. God is great and greatly to be praised, and he deserves the most extravagant worship. But since our prayers are pictured as as this rich and costly incense, surely we can also reason that they are precious to God, a sweet-smelling aroma to him. Your prayers are most holy and precious in his sight, just like the precious incense that is used to illustrate them. Uh, Notice also that your prayers are precious to God, Uh, because of the precious vessels in which they are stored. In chapter 5, verse 8, we see that our prayers are stored in golden bowls carried by the four creatures. In our text, we see that they're kept in a golden censer and that they've been placed uh, on the golden altar of incense. And doesn't that show us something of our prayers? Preciousness. You don't get out the fine china for a quick lunch of peanut butter sandwiches and apple slices. Uh, the, the best dishes are reserved for the most extravagant meals. These are costly vessels to hold your precious prayers. We can see that your prayers are precious to God also because they are conveyed directly to Him. We see the incense and the prayers that is stored on the altar before God. It says it's before God and before his face. But but remember that in the Old Testament, uh, the altar of incense was outside the veil. It was outside of the Holy of Holies. We can read in Leviticus 16 that once a year on the Day of Atonement, Aaron or, or, or whoever the high priest was, was, was to take incense from the altar behind the veil and burn it in a cloud over the mercy seat. But brothers and sisters, thanks be to God, the veil is torn, and the golden altar is before the throne and before the Lamb who sits on it. And because God is your Father, and Jesus Christ is your husband, he charges his angels, ministers who do his will, to bring your prayers directly into his presence, to be presented before Jesus Christ, the true mercy seat of God. Your prayers are conveyed directly to him. Finally, your prayers are precious to God because He is jealous for them. Your prayers are precious to God because He is jealous for them. The incense described in Exodus, it it came with a prohibition. It came with a prohibition. 
Exodus 30, verse 37 says, In the incense that you shall make, you shall not make for yourselves. It shall be for you holy to the Lord. Whoever makes any like it to use as perfume shall be cut off from his people. Because your prayers are precious to God, God jealously guards them. They are to be offered to him and to him alone. Think of the intimacy of your prayers. Uh, think of how you bear your heart out to God. I, I'm sure that the only human uh, comparison can be that of a husband and a wife. I am sure, I am sure that none of you will want me to go through your phone and look at your text conversations with your wife. And you may not look at mine. They are for her. My texts are for her. Your prayers are for God. Think of the, 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 in, uh, of the intimacy and the closeness that we have with him. And he says, you don't offer these to anyone else. You don't offer these to anyone else. They are for me and me alone. I don't know any, many of your backgrounds. But from this truth, friends, one thing that we can see is that we need to reject the errors of Rome on this point. Although we see saints and angels active in heaven, uh, we may not and we must not make them the recipients of our prayers. The precious incense of our prayers is holy to the Lord, and it's for Him alone. He jealously guards your prayers because they are precious to Him. So brothers and sisters, fill heaven with your prayers because they are heard by God and because they are precious to God. But notice one more encouragement. Notice one more encouragement. Fill heaven with your prayers because they will be answered by God. Fill heaven with your prayers because they will be answered by God. Under our first heading, we, we considered that the silence in heaven gives us confidence that God has heard our prayers. But if we revisit that silence and look at it maybe from another ang angle, uh, we see not only that God has heard, but we have anticipation that he will act. I'm sure we're all familiar with that little phrase, the calm before the storm. It's, it's a pregnant pause. It's, it's a moment of time that's, that's dripping with anticipation. And so the seventh seal, it's not just silence to help focus on the prayers. It's also silence that anticipates God's response. Think of Habakkuk 2.20. But the Lord is in his holy temple. Let all the earth keep silence before him. Or Zephaniah 1.7. Be silent before the Lord God, for the day of the Lord is at hand. Remember, the day of the Lord, it's, it's a day with multiple fulfillments. It's a day when God draws near and acts in an especially uh, visible and powerful way. And so we see here silence in anticipation of God's answer. And how does God respond? How does God respond to the prayers of his people that have come up into his nostrils? We see that he responds with awesome earth-shaking activity. Look at verse 5. It says, Then the angel took the censer and filled it with fire from the altar and threw it on the earth. And there were peals of thunder, rumblings, flashes of lightning, and an earthquake. I wonder if that language sounds familiar. In Exodus 19, 
we read in various places, on the morning of the third day, there were thunders and lightnings. It says, now Mount Sinai was wrapped in smoke because the Lord had descended on it in fire. The whole mountain trembled greatly. Verse 5 in our text, it, it has the language and the vocabulary of Sinai. Uh, this is the language of a God who comes down and who is active in the affairs of men. In context, in the context of the book of Revelation, I think that especially in view here is a continued answer to the petitions of the souls, <coughs> excuse me, the souls under the altar who were crying out for justice. In the sixth seal, we see that God judges uh, the earth for their hand in the persecution of the saints. And here in verse 5, we see that God continues to judge all the earth. God judges all the earth. Now let's just be real clear. This is a warning. Our text has a warning for us this evening. A warning that we need to hear and reckon with ourselves. And a warning that we need to proclaim to the world. Judgment is coming. As you talk with your friends and your neighbors, as you talk with unbelieving uh, family members or co-workers, this is the kind of language that will raise eyebrows. This is the kind of language that will certainly have people thinking that you have perhaps gone off the deep end. But look at the text. Brothers and sisters, judgment is coming. Jesus said in Luke 12:49, I came to send fire on earth. And would that it were already kindled. And here in Revelation 5, it's a picture of what it will be like when the wrath of the Lamb is kindled but a little. Judgment is coming. And we see here that this world-ending judgment is brought about under God's sovereign rule by the prayers of the saints. The incense went up to heaven and God came down and shook the earth. I wonder, have, have you wrestled with what it means when you pray the second petition of the Lord's Prayer? Our Father of heart in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. What does that look like? What will it look like for the Satan of kingdom to be destroyed and for the kingdom of God to advance? It will look like judgment, and we need to tell the world. We need to tell the world that judgment is coming, but that they can be at peace with the one who's bringing it. Judgment is coming. God, through John, he is encouraging the churches in Asia uh, that despite their persecution and suffering and tribulation, he has heard their prayers and he will act. It's a wake-up call to that sleepy church in Sardis. Do you remember in Revelation uh, chapter 2, I think, uh, he says to that church in Sardis, wake up and strengthen what remains because judgment is coming. And it's certainly also an encouragement to that persecuted church and suffering church in Smyrna who were told to endure suffering, even being put to death so that they could receive the victor's crown. And there's here assurance here that God will hear their prayers and answer their prayers and give them justice. God heard the prayers of the churches in Asia. And brothers and sisters, that same encouragement is offered to you. God will answer your prayers. Think back. We're at the start of a new year. Think back on the past year and, 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 and think to yourself, how is it that God has dealt with your prayers? 
Haven't you seen, even in this congregation, God answering your prayer? When I was here in May, all the discussion was, what's the new building going to be? When will we have a new building? You You want a place where you can worship and fellowship, and it seems, God willing, that this week it may happen. And God has heard your prayers. Some of you prayed. Some of you older saints have prayed for 49 years that God would strike down Roe v. and bring protection to the most vulnerable in our society. For 49 years, the heavens were brass. And you heard God say by His providence, not yet, just a little while longer. But brothers and sisters, God answered your prayers. Haven't some of you prayed for victory over sin and seen God give it? Or prayed for assurance and seen God grant it? Brothers and sisters, God answers prayer. And this is an encouragement to persevere in prayer, isn't it? I know there's a danger saying, think back to the past year and, and think to yourself about the prayers you've prayed because I'm sure that some of them are on But still, nevertheless, our passage offers encouragement. There is an encouragement here for you Christians who are tempted to leave off praying. God will answer your prayers. He may not answer in our time or according to our will, but he will certainly answer. Luke 18.1, Jesus taught his disciples a parable to this effect, that they ought always to pray and not lose heart. Where are you tempted towards losing heart in your prayer? Are you discouraged by besetting sins in your own heart? Do you think to yourself, God, why won't you cure me of this sin? Why can't I get the victory over this sin? But brothers and sisters, continue to pray and don't lose heart as you pray against sins in your own heart. God will answer and one day present you before his presence, his glorious presence with great joy. Or perhaps some of you are discouraged by, by the condition of the church. You and your congregation, the loss of a pastor and the loss of a building or, or discouraging news uh, at large in our denomination. But brothers and sisters, continue to pray and don't lose heart as you continue to pray for the peace of the church. Continue to pray the words of David. Do good to Zion in your good pleasure and build up the walls of Jerusalem. Continue to pray that peace would be within her walls and her palaces. The psalmist said of God in 102, you will arise and have pity on Zion. And shouldn't we take on our lips the response of the psalmist, 102.13, it is time to favor her. Or Isaiah 62.7, Isaiah encourages that faithful remnant, give him no rest, give the Lord no rest until he establishes Jerusalem and makes it a praise in the earth. Continue to pray. And don't lose heart as you pray for the lost. Your family members, your children, your parents, your friends. Friends, God's arm is not shortened so that it cannot save. So brothers and sisters, fill heaven with your prayers because they will be answered by God. But prayer is hard work, isn't it? I'm sure your experience bears this out. One preacher said, the more spiritual the duty, the more taxing it is on the flesh. 
and we're tempted in our flesh to doubt our prayers' usefulness or their acceptance with the holy God in heaven. And that's why we need this passage. We need this awesome scene of our prayers ascending up into the sanctuary of God, heard by him, precious to him, and in due course answered by him. And so, dear Christian friends, fill heaven with your prayers. Amen. Let's pray and ask for the Lord's blessing as we do that. Heavenly Father, we are so grateful for your word. We are so grateful that you are a God who hears prayers, that, that a small group of your people, that, that an individual Christian can bend the ear of the Almighty God in heaven, can, can, can ask for an audience with you and have it in a moment. We praise you, Lord Jesus Christ, that you have made this possible. We ask, Heavenly Father, that you would make us a praying people. God, I pray for those here who are discouraged in their prayers, uh, those for whom the heavens are currently brass. God, would you be kind to them and be merciful to them. Uh, either, God, answer their prayers and hasten an answer, or give them encouragement, give them encouragement that, that their prayers have ascended up to you, that you have heard them, and give them confidence as they wait for your answer. And God, hear all of our prayers and accept our worship for Christ's sake. Amen.